With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right now, joining us on the Achieve a Credit Union hotline for a Florida politics update is the publisher of Florida politics, Peter Shorsch. Peter, thanks so much for checking in again this week. And let's start with Congresswoman Val Demings, a Central Florida Democrat, launching her Senate campaign today. She's going to be taking on incumbent Marco Rubio in the midterms. What stood out to you about her campaign launch? I thought it was a nice video. Um, I loved the kind of subtle messaging in there. She took a, a pretty good shot at Marco Rubio, placing in a clip of Chris Christie um, criticizing him during one of the presidential debates. And then there was a very quick flash of some boots, which is actually a link back to a story that Rubio wore um, uh, like heightened boots during the presidential campaigning. He took a little bit of gruff for that. And so not only was it a great, like, you know, biography uh, of Val Deming, she's got a great story to tell. You know, the criminal justice aspect of her life and her husband's career are front and center. But she was unafraid to go right at Rubio, which is what she's going to do because, you know, she is starting off as a as an underdog against an incumbent. And Rubio fired right back, saying that she is a do-nothing congresswoman and saying that she's a far-left extremist. Will those kinds of attacks, will that kind of labeling work uh, on someone like Val Demings? Oh, gosh. You know, I wish Rubio hadn't done that. I think that they will work. I don't think that you can say that she's do-nothing because she got in there. I mean, she was an impeachment manager uh, for the Democrats of President Trump. You know, she... She is very well respected by Nancy Pelosi. Um, so I think the do nothing tag, no one's ever really said that about Val Demings. I don't think that she's an extremist on the left side. Now, she is a, you know, she is a Democrat who was recently elected. So she is, you know, left leaning. Now, you ask if it's going to work. The, the question is, you know, if there's going to be 50 to 100 million dollars behind that message, you know, we're going to think that she's an ally of Nicolas Maduro and the Castro <laughs> right. by the time, you know, Rubio and the, uh, you know, Rick Scott, who is in charge of the NRSC, the Senate campaign arm, you know, they are going to paint her. You know, the problem with that is how do you say that somebody is a, the, the two big criticisms of Democrats right now, that they're, you know, pro-socialist and that they're to fund the police. Well, 50% of that argument, you can't say that a, a police chief from Orlando who no. lowered crime, whose husband's a sheriff, you cannot tag her with the defund the police argument. No, it's not going to work on that issue. Now, I do think you can lump her in with Biden and Schumer and Pelosi and their agenda and go after her that way. But trying to make her out to be an AOC or a member of the squad, I think that takes it too far. And when you go too far on a line of attack like that, it can damage your credibility a bit and comes off as desperate. Listen, Rubio is a successful, you know, politician. He's, you know, one, he beat Charlie Chris. You know, he really maneuvered himself well in 2016 against Patrick Murphy. I don't know why he had to go there that quickly today. Uh, you know, if I'm him, uh, I welcome Val Demings to the race. I say, you know, uh, I disagree with their policies, uh, but she is a well-credentialed person. And I look forward 
to debating my view against her, you know, radical view or something like that. Be almost, I don't want to say magnanimous, but yeah. a little bit of statesmanship because he doesn't, he doesn't need to go there right now. It's only June of 2021. He went nuclear on the first day with what looked like almost a hostage video, you know, getting out there. And he, uh, you know, the people that I talked to, you know, he does sound a little scared. And I don't, I don't think he needs to be. I think he's starting off in a strong position, mm-hmm. a Republican versus a Democrat in increasingly red Florida. I think he could have just let her into the race um, and not given her the attention that he did today. Is part of his reasoning for going that route right off the bat because it worked so well in 2020, especially among many Hispanics down in South Florida? It worked, it worked wonders. I mean, and I think it still can work wonders. The question will be, are those same people going to turn out uh, with Donald Trump not on the ballot? Yeah. And I think one of the things, I don't want to put too much stock into it, but one of the things that we did see in that New Mexico special election um, is that, you know, voters are not necessarily, Republican voters are not super excited if Donald Trump is not on the ballot. We saw that in Georgia. Um, you know, Donald, if we were going to give Donald Trump credit for bringing out all these new Republicans in 2016 and 2020, well, we have to, you know, we have to also say that maybe that they're not going to be there again if there isn't Donald Trump and the MAGA rallies, et cetera. You know, somebody, I think it was Max Stepanovich, who I know you talked to, get a great point. He said to me today, it's not that Rubio is spineless or whatever. That's, uh, that's one of the criticisms of them. It's that Rubio is really in between the saw horses. And by that he meant he's, you know, he is not MAGA enough for the MAGA crowd, and he is not Romney enough for the, you know, New York, D.C. establishment yeah. crowd. Now, how much do you think it's going to potentially help Marco Rubio that at least, I know Trump's not going to be on the ballot in 2022, but at least Ron DeSantis will be on Florida's ballot? Oh, uh, if, if Rubio gets across the finish, like, here's a better answer to this question. I think this is going to be a two-on-two uh, tag team match, uh, which we really haven't seen in Florida politics has always been you know one of the people is the star and one of the other people's kind of you know uh, carrying the <laughs> carrying the luggage this one is going to be a, a tag team match it is DeSantis Rubio versus you know Demings Chris Free um, and that's I said it today the only way that Democrats can win because they're starting off at six or seven maybe even more point underdogs is if they Georgia this place is if they run like Warnock and Ossoff did yeah. in Georgia. That is kind of a, a tag team, you know, a package deal for both of them. That's good for the Democrats. Um, you know, Val Demings is going to take care of the black vote for whoever the gubernatorial candidate is. going to let, you know, Nikki Freed or Charlie Chris kind of stay in the center a little bit more. But it's also good for Marco Rubio because DeSantis is going to be, you know, he's going to be the presidential candidate oh, waiting. Yeah. He's going to be able to turn people out. I'm joined by the publisher of Florida Politics, Peter Shores. You can find all his work at floridapolitics.com, and you can find him on Twitter at Peter Shores FL. While we're on the topic of Governor DeSantis, let's talk about the situation involving someone who I, I don't think is a whistleblower. I think she's a peddler of misinformation and conspiracy theories, and I've been saying that for a long time now since she first burst onto the scene, Rebecca Jones. She gets banned from Twitter, and now what? She's going to run for Congress against Matt Gates? Is she? <laughs> I, you know, it, it's what is the latest on Rebecca? Yes. Um, so what happened was is on Friday, there was the Miami Herald reports 
a Politico report. One took one side, one took the other uh, about her role in the DeSantis administration. I thought the more compelling one was the Politico story that had Jared Moskowitz and said, you know, that she was basically, she's not who she is. She's not a whistleblower. Mm -hmm. Well, she's damaged goods. She's not all there. And I think she, you know, she took that as a challenge. She spent all weekend tweeting and attacking and she kept forwarding out the Miami Herald article. Well, that violated the Twitter terms of services. They kick her off of Twitter. That becomes a story. Then she gets on Instagram and she says that, you know what? I'm kicked off Twitter, but she wanted to challenge the Ron DeSantis uh, anti-big tech bill. She says she's going to run for Congress against Matt Gaetz. Um, I think that that's petered out over the last 24 hours. You know, she's backed off of it and said, well, if nobody else runs, I'll run. Listen, she's still in Maryland. She's a Maryland resident. I don't know why. I think we are going to look back in a year and we are going to have, as media, we are going to have a lot of egg on our face and how much stock we have put in Rebecca Jones. And we didn't. On my show, I never did. You never did. We took a look at that story and said, "Mm, I don't know. Let's see it play out first. And then it never added up. But there's a lot of media here in the state of Florida, and especially nationally, they ran with it. And it was just the wrong thing to do. She was incredible. And you get, she gets um, retweets from big celebrity uh, people on on social media. And like, you know, she blocked me the other day on Twitter. It was the first time she's blocked me. And she said some sort of nasty comment on the way back. And I was getting harangued because she does have a really big platform now. I mean, she's got a couple hundred thousand followers. You know, she's raised over a million dollars on the GoFundMe account. You know, I think if she runs for Congress, she'll be one of these people that gets a lot of small dollar donations Mm -hmm. and will become sort of phenomenon. And it's just, She's just not the right person for it. And I just, I caution anybody, um, you know, go back and read the police reports. Go back and read the sexual harassment and stalking cases against her. You can tell that this is a person that you don't, I'm not saying that she's crazy, but she's definitely somebody that you want, don't want to put your full faith and confidence in. Now, you're doing a podcast with Jared Moskowitz, who was the former director of emergency management for the state of Florida. In your conversations with him, because he was cited in the Politico article, obviously, and he was certainly talked about in the Miami Herald article, what has he had to say to you about his dealings with this Rebecca Jones? Well, you know, Jared was kind of playing double agent, um, and I think he was kind of upfront about playing double agent. He was basically... So, he got wind of the Miami Herald story um, and he wanted to get out in front of it. And so he went to Politico and he, you know, he basically shared all of his text messages after she shared all of her text messages. Neither one of them showed the full complete picture. Uh, they were selectively edited, of course, to make each one of them look like they were in the best light. I think what Jared's problem was is that, you know, the Department of Health, uh, as an adjunct of Ron DeSantis, was under an enormous amount of scrutiny, and the governor's office was controlling the Department of Health. I mean, they were controlling the communication. Is that different than Rick Scott? No, but it was the first time during a pandemic. And so, you know, there was a lot of scrutiny about whether or not the plaza level, the governor's office, was, you know, micromanaging the Department of Health. And the answer is it was. And so you had a, um, a, a, a director who was aware of that and had this threat inside of his agency uh, in Rebecca Jones 
I think you tried to befriend her, try and get some information. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was a lot of spy games in a lot of ways. It's like, yeah. you know, he was playing double agent saying, you know, trying to befriend this, this unstable person in Rebecca Jones while still trying to, you know, keep staying good graces in the governor's office. And he's trying to find out as much information as possible. Um, long story short on all of that, that's a toxic environment, whether or not Jared, was right to do that or whether or not his intentions were good, that kind of environment shouldn't exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I do fault the governor's office for having fostered and created that kind of environment where people were afraid to be transparent, where communication staffers were afraid to give answers to the press, et cetera. But Jared Moskowitz never saw the governor's office doing anything to fudge the numbers, change the data, anything like that. He says he did not, and I take him at his word. I think he's been critical of the governor's office when he needs to be, mm-hmm. and I think I think he has been supportive of the people who gave him a job uh, when appropriate. And so, you know, he, you know, we have spent a lot of time talking to each other over the last couple of weeks as we get this podcast, uh, and he has said specifically to me, "Listen, if there was anything like that, I would have resigned," and that would have set off alarm bells. Oh yeah, I mean, if if you would have had, you know, into you know, in a lot of ways, it's like. Fauci and Dr. Burke, they never did. Uh, they never resigned. They played the same kind of inside-outside game. Um, and I just, I take Jared at his word that no, nothing, there was no fudging of the numbers. And I don't believe that there were fudging of the numbers. I really don't. I think there, there was 1,000% that there was, or that there is excess death that should be attributed to COVID that we never did. And, and I just think that the same people who claim to be very concerned about what DeSantis was doing and whether or not he was doing those kinds of things, um, they just didn't seem that concerned when it came to Andrew Cuomo in New York. And he certainly was, was fudging information. We know that now. <laughs> so, That's a great point. If there was as much scrutiny given to Cuomo that the Miami Herald has put on DeSantis, we would have known about all of those nursing home deaths. Exactly. Now, there's one other thing I want to touch on with you. This was something that we didn't get to last week, but I I just think we have to spend a minute on it. Former Attorney General Pam Bondi, what is going on with her to go on TV and say that basically it's like COVID didn't happen here in the state of Florida? When you say something like that, politics and partisanship and just the need to still be in the arena it has corrupted your brain. I've had to, and this is a, a true nugget. I've had to go to people and I've had to, who, who do business with Pam, who are in working relationships with Pam, who I, who I really am friendly with and who I've always, I've always got along with Pam. I've told them, you really got to put her on a leash. You cannot let her do some of these things. And it started with her doing the, um, the Four Seasons press conference with Giuliani. Yep. Uh, I'm like, you, she's saying crazy things. You got to pull her off the stage or she is going to ruin her permanent brand as a Republican operative, as a lobbyist, et cetera. Same situation here. And I, I, I it really is it, very disappointing because, you know, her origin is coming from the Hillsborough State Attorney's Office, being so media savvy. And to say something like that, you know, it's like we got to keep her off TV again for another six months. And so, She's really impacting and damaging her brand at this point. And if she, you know, she's probably got one or two more uh, bad comments before she ends up in like Sarah Palin territory. Well, it's just, it's disrespectful to 
all of those who have lost someone here in the state of Florida during the course of this pandemic. It's disrespectful to all of those who suffered through the unemployment crisis uh, at the beginning stages of the pandemic, some who, who suffered for months because that system failed. It's disrespectful to the businesses that have suffered. Uh, it, it was just stunning to watch her say that. And and I think the governor at times has been a little too celebratory and and hasn't shown enough empathy for the, the ultimate impact that the pandemic has had on the state of Florida. And it's all because of politics. Well, you know, every time I hear him say Florida's been open since and they say it's been open since forever. I'm like, you know, tell that to the tell that to Bob Goltieri, the sheriff of Pinellas County, who I believe on one day did 200, uh, had 200 deputies visit local businesses um, and kind of do like spot checking to make sure that they were closed. You remember he was out there making sure that people were standing six feet apart from each other at publishes. Yep. You know, all those small businesses that were closed during that. Tell them that there weren't lockdowns in Pinellas and Polk and Hillsborough and Palm Beach and, you know, all those larger counties where there are a lot of people. Yes, I will agree. Sumter County was probably not locked down. You know, some parts of the Panhandle were probably not locked down. But for the folks of us that live in the bigger cities, we were locked down. Right. And the governor didn't step in and stop it. He ultimately left those tough decisions to local officials that was his choice he could have taken things in a different direction he could have prevented local officials from putting those restrictions in place he didn't do that and you know when you look back overall florida did pretty well especially compared to what a lot of people thought this state was going to go through when the pandemic first hit but i I just don't like some of this revisionist history about how things played out celebrate the successes learn from the mistakes but be real about what actually happened during the course of the past year plus all right florida politics publisher peter shorsh you can find him online at floridapolitics.com and you can find him on twitter at peter shorsh fl peter always appreciate the time we'll talk to you again next week all right thanks ryan take care Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.